0: Well, this past week I received an unusual email from a woman at our church, Laura Lewis. Laura, are you in a house here? Just Raise your hand if you are. Maybe you're not. You're out. Well, with Laura's permission, I want to tell you about this email because it was a response to our message last Sunday, and the passage the last two weeks has dealt with Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, about the fact that if you're in Christ, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're a new creature. You've got a new life. And we put away the old things, like an old suit of clothes. We put on the new things, the new way of living, like a new, new suit of clothes. And we also saw how that we're renewed in our minds by, by the, the, the Word of God. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God. And so that was our passage last week. A couple of days later, Laura sends me this unusual email. And this is what she wrote. She said, Jeff, I was raised in church since I was a child, but it meant nothing. Then after college and marriage, I didn't connect to much of anything spiritual at all till one dark night 30 years ago in my living room in Longview, Texas. I was considering leaving my husband. We were living in a rural area with no family or friends. He was working and my kids were asleep. I remember crying and being so angry. I reached over to get a Kleenex tucked away in my bookshelves, And knocked down a leather bound Bible that a friend of my mom's had given me. I despised the thing, having tried to sell it in a few garage sales or to give it away, but no one wanted it because it bore my name on the cover. As I reached to pick it up to replace it on the shelf, I breathed a prayer God, I am miserable. If you are real and can really help change my life and circumstances, can you help me because I don't have any other hope? My blurry eyes looked at the open pages of the Bible. I knew little about the Bible, having been taught that ordinary people couldn't understand it. The book was open to Ephesians chapter 4. I noticed the subtitle, Living the New Life. That sounded like something I wanted, so I sat and read from verse 17 through verse 32 at the end of the chapter. I began weeping again, but this time felt a strange presence. In other words, I knew that I was not alone. I spent time with Jesus that night. He revealed Himself to me. I searched that book in several places. I confessed my sinful past, accepted His forgiveness, And I began an exciting life of faith. Jesus was, is, and will always be an exciting God. And she had a couple of other things to say. But for the last 30 years, Laura Lewis has lived a new life. She's been a new creation. And she's experienced the thrill of journeying with Jesus Christ. Tonight, I mean this morning, some of you were like Laura Lewis that night. And you have maybe had a dose of religion here and there, but meant nothing to you. But you're here in this room, and maybe God is the one that has drawn you. If you are, he is the one. And you need to make the same decision that Laura did. Lord, I am so sorry for my rebellion against you, and I need a Savior. Would you please, Jesus, come into my life. If you just breathe that prayer right now, the God in heaven who made you, who knows everything in your heart, he will answer that prayer and give you eternal life, and you'll begin the most exciting journey that you've ever imagined. Now, many of us in this room, most of us in this room have made that decision, but some of us, that was years ago and decades ago, and perhaps, perhaps some of you have left your first love. Uh, Your love has grown cold, and life has become a boring, uh, exasperating, unfulfilling uh, journey for you. And if that would be you, let me just urge you this morning to return to your first love return to your first love, do the things that you did then, begin meeting with the Lord every day with full surrender of all you have, and just begin to ask the Lord to come and meet you again, and He will. He will. So some of us perhaps need to do that journey. Well, this morning, we're returning to that passage and the next passage, because last week's passage said, throw off the old way of life like the old clothes, Put on the, the new way of life, like the new, cl- new clothes, and be renewed in your mind. And then beginning today, and the next three weeks, we're going to see seven very specific practical examples that apply to everyday life. And, and the first two, though there are only three verses, that's all we can take today because they are so chock full of application to daily life. That's all we got time for. So if you stand with me, I'm going to read this three verses from Ephesians chapter 4. I'll begin in verse 25, and this is what we read from the Word of God. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Church, this is God's holy word. Please be seated. So, only three verses because there's so much here. Now, he begins with a crisp command, put away falsehood, the same one that we saw in the last passage. And as I said last week, if you were here, that same term was used of throwing off old clothes. So, here's another set of clothes to throw off, throw off every kind of falsehood, lying, dishonesty. Uh, exaggerating the truth, misrepresenting the truth, deceitfulness, um, prevaricating any and every form of dishonesty, throw it off because you are a new creation in Christ and that's not who you are anymore. You're a follower of Jesus Christ, the one who said, I am the truth. He's the source of truth, the embodiment of truth. So if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we've got to be lovers of the truth. And so the reminder for every one of us believers, the commitment, the call from God in heaven above to you and me this day would be love the truth and be truth tellers. Decide, make a firm decision that I'm just going to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And not just when you're in court, but all the time, you're going to tell the truth. In fact, it's going to be an act of great freedom for you because God's commands are always for our good. They're always for our best, but this is an act of great freedom because there is freedom in being a truth-teller. Now, you don't have to think about it. You know, what should I say? How do I respond? Just tell the truth. You don't have to remember what you said to various people. Just tell the truth. There's great freedom of conscience, and you're, you're right with God if you decide, I'm going to be a truth-teller in every relationship. With my marriage, if you're married, with kids, at work, uh, in the neighborhood, extended family, income tax. I'm just going to be a truth teller. Selling your old car, whatever it is, I'm going to tell the truth. Now, this is what happens with too many human beings, is that they, they begin in little ways kind of shading the truth, and it kind of grows over the years. And pretty soon, they are just um, living in a lifestyle of dishonesty and deceit all the time, and it's become a second nature to them, and they barely even know it. But everybody around them knows it. And they don't trust what they've got to say. And with a heavy heart, I say, sometimes I've seen that happen to Christians. That they are so mired in a web of deceit and that they're blind to it. And no one can trust them. And God says, firm action. Um, Be a truth teller. That you're going to just tell the truth no matter what. Now, church, it's surprising to me. A little bit, how much the Bible emphasizes uh, that God loves truth-telling, and He hates lying. I mean, all through the Old Testament, especially the book of Proverbs, so emphatic how, how God hates lying and dishonesty. Uh, it's one of the Ten Commandments. It's, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus you know, teaches us how to live. It's in Paul's letters. It's all through the Bible, emphatic. God does not want us telling lies in any kind. Now why is that? Why is that? Well, I've already touched on one is because God's the source of truth. He, he is the truth. Jesus said, "I am the truth." And we're followers of God. But moreover, Jesus said this about Satan. He he once said in John 8:44 that Satan is the is a liar and the father of lies. Okay, get get that. Satan is not only a liar, he's the father of lies. So who are we following every time we shade the truth or bend the truth or exaggerate the truth if not the evil one himself? But you know it's more than that. I mean, think about character and integrity uh, that are so foundational to life. It is not the cornerstone, the foundation stone of character and integrity simply telling the truth. If you don't tell the truth, you don't even start with character. It is just basic to a life of character and integrity. But even more so, a fourth reason is because you know that truth-telling is basic to any healthy human relationships, marriage, parenting, work, neighborhood, wherever. It is basic. And so it's not surprising that in verse 25, Paul ties this to relationships Doesn't he say, therefore, having put away falsehood, or put away falsehood, lets each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We belong together. He's talking about relationships in the body of Christ. We belong to one another, so how dare us not be truth-tellers with one another, because that's going to rip apart relationships. I mean, think about it. If you don't have truth, truth truth-telling, you're not going to have trust And if you don't have trust, you're not going to let that person be be close to you, are you? Now now think about how that applies to marriage. If there's not a commitment, a rigorous commitment to be completely honest with your spouse, uh, over time, trust will be broken, and you will grow further and further apart because you're not going to let your heart be close to somebody you don't trust. Truth-telling, complete honesty is absolutely vital to marriage, and, and some couples just are kind of tolerating a little bit of dishonesty here and there, and it's a destroyer. It's a poisoner of human relationships. One, one writer put it very strongly, but biblically, when he said this. He said, lying is a poisoner of human communication. It's a destroyer of trust and a dehumanization of our neighbors. Lying breaks the tissue of faith that holds every human community together. Lies diminish everyone we deceive because by lying, we treat persons as if they had no right to share in the mutual trust without which we cannot be human together. You cannot treat somebody like a neighbor if you're not a truth teller because we belong to one another. And we're not treating them with love if we don't treat them with truth. Nine and a half years ago, I had a very memorable meeting with somebody. They were part of our church, more of an acquaintance than a friend. It's a business guy who traveled widely, did well. And he called me up one day out of the blue and said, Jeff, I really need to talk with you. And uh, we met at Panera Bread over by the mall, and he began to tell me an incredible story of how in all of his travels around the nation, he had been involved with uh, one affair after another for years. And in some miraculous ways, God had brought this out, brought this to the, to, to the surface. God spoke some things in, in, in the heart of his wife Uh, let her know some things were coming, and then really rescued their two-year-old child from the bottom of a swimming pool without any harm. And with some things like that, God brings this to the surface. And my friend, who became a friend, uh, responded in deep repentance and brokenness. And a few weeks after this had all come out, he met with me and said, Jeff, I just need to tell you about this, what happened. And uh, the, the, the thing that I remember nine and a half years later is, is that his main focus was not, "Oh, I'm going to love my wife better. I'm going to be faithful to her. I'm just, I'm going to be the best husband." That wasn't his focus. You know what his focus was? Is, is I have decided, I'm going to, I'm going to tell the truth no matter what. He had this resolute commitment to telling the truth. Nine and a half years later, I have become close friends with him. We have traveled together internationally, in missions. He has one of the best marriages I know to that woman. And he is one of the deepest men that I know with Jesus Christ. And the foundation of both of those is a rigorous commitment to truth. No wonder God hates lying that destroys human relationships and our character and our souls. And perhaps this morning, you may not be living in that that kind of lie, but, but, but maybe you have been playing fast and loose with the truth, and the Spirit of God is saying to you this morning, stop it. Stop it now. You're better than that. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You tell the truth. Make a firm decision. Tell the truth, no matter what. All right. That's number one. The second one, is even more relevant to daily life because it's anger, and every one of us struggle with anger. Anybody here not struggling with anger, by the way? Raise your hand. Never struggle with anger? Good. I'm so glad I didn't have to call you out. One of my services, I had a number of folks raising their hand. Um, (laughs) If you don't think you deal with anger, you're in serious denial. Do you know why you deal with anger? Because the human beings around you that you live with and work with, they're really flawed. They're they're really sinful. And they're very different than you. And and at times they hurt your feelings. And and so you got anger. And by the way, you're doing at least that much damage to them. So, anger. Um, What does God say to us? Something unusual. He says in 26, be angry. And do not sin, do not let the sun go down in your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. He says, "Be angry, uh, but then he qualifies it with two careful guidelines to kind of give boundaries around it don 't let the sun go down in your anger, and don't give the devil a foothold. Now, bringing in the devil like this, I mean the devil is involved with all sin in one way or the other, but specifically. God brings in the devil having a foothold in your life in the context of anger because anger is such a powerful, lethal emotion that Satan especially uses that to destroy human souls and health. Everything from migraines to heart problems to sleep disorders to jaw problems can be exacerbated uh, by anger inside and certainly depression and cynicism and bitterness and When it comes to counseling, well, Larry Crabb, a leading Christian counselor, says 80% of all counseling is at root involving anger. 80%? And when it comes to marriage, 100% of divorces involve an unhealthy, unbiblical way of dealing with anger. 100%. And if we would just obey what the Bible has to say, it would be for our good, and for the good of our marriages, and for the good of our children, and for the good of the people who work with you and me. If we would just obey the Bible, which says, in your anger, that's the effect of it, not go out and try to be angry, but when you are angry, it's an idiom, when you are angry, do not sin. And it gives us two guidelines, two boundaries, Uh, right around that, in the same passage, there are three other boundaries, and we're going to get to it. But here's the problem right here. Uh, This is tough. Anger's tough. Last two days, I was dealing with a little bit of anger. I didn't do so well. How'd you guys do with the anger this week? I hope you did better. You know, it's one thing to hear your pastor speak from the Bible, we got to stop this. We got to obey the Lord here. But this coming week, when you're mad as a hornet at somebody, you're not going to be so prone to to obey. And that's going to be the acid test. Do you love Jesus Christ enough to do what He says or not? Or are you just going to be, you know, kind of talk a good game, but when the push comes to shove and you're so angry, you're going to go your way rather than God's way. And you're going to revert to the silent treatment? You're going to sulk and pout and feel self righteous about that bad other person. Or you're going to spew and, and, and spew some venom, 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 venom that does damage to souls, including at times our children, including at times our spouses. Or in some other way, we're going to deal with it unbiblically. Here's a leading way okay, I'm really mad at this person. So what do I do? Being the wimp that I am, I go to somebody else and tell them all about it. Third person. When the Bible says, go to the person who wronged you. Go to the person who wronged you. Or maybe passive-aggressive behavior. By my actions, I'll let them know how wrong they were. Or sarcasm. Um, There are all kind of unbiblical ways to respond to anger. And God says, watch out. You're going to give the devil a foothold to destroy your marriage, to ruin your health, to hurt you at work, to destroy relationships. Watch out. Be careful. Two guidelines, he says here, first of all, um, do not let the sun go down in your anger. Uh, What's that mean? Get at it. Deal with it. Now, now guys, this is a tough one because it's much easier to be a wimp and just, oh, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. And everybody around you can see anger all over your face. Uh, Oh, I'm frustrated. I mean, how many times have Gail and I had an argument over the years? Are you angry at me? I'm just frustrated. You know, you're angry. And admit it and do what the Bible says. Deal with it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Get to it right away. Don't let it stew. Don't let it. Some of us are letting anger stew inside of us right now as I speak. You've been angry at somebody for, for days, weeks, months, years, or decades. And the Bible said, don't let that sun go down on your anger. Go to the person. Deal with it. Whatever you got to do, deal with it. Or you spew venom everywhere and do damage to other people. Do damage to me. So the first thing to do when it comes to obeying God, is to deal with it promptly. Deal with your anger promptly. The second thing, you know, that you would see in the context is right above it, deal with it honestly because he just said uh, put away falsehood. and That includes lying to yourself or denying to others that you're angry. At times we are angry. And it says in your anger do not sin. Admit your anger so you can obey the Lord in this. And, and so if you're angry at somebody at work, uh, your boss, an employee, a co-worker, somebody in your family, uh, whoever it is, uh, go to them and honestly talk about it. Talk about it. Matthew 18, 15, go to the person who's hurt you. Talk about it. Um, you be honest. Uh, the, the Bible just said put away falsehood. Now, this doesn't mean you go bludgeon them with the truth. You're a no-good rotten scoundrel. <laughs> but, but, but you can say something like this, you know, I felt hurt when you said that in front of our friends. I felt hurt. I language, not you language. I language, not you language. I felt hurt uh, honestly. So deal with it promptly. Deal with it honestly. And here's the big one right here. This is the most important factor dealing with anger is you deal with it gracefully, with grace, with forgiveness. Doesn't the end of this passage, in the context of anger, because verse 31 is talking about all kinds of anger, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, every kind of anger. And what do you do about it? You be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. So two things there: one, the, the be kind to one another, tender-hearted. So so be gentle. Be gentle. Uh, you you go to the person and you don't spew and 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 rant and rave and. and Friends, if if you're violating this, even at work, because in our culture at work today, that's that's a sign of strength. You know, I tell it like it is. It's sin if you are shouting and yelling and losing your temper. You're not being kind and gentle. It's sin. And don't excuse it and rationalize it. Well, I'm just being honest or I'm just being strong or, you know, that's the way I've always been and nothing's going to change me or I'm Italian, you know, that's just the way I got to do it, (laughs) you know. Call it what it is, sin and disobedience against the holy God who has been so gracious and forgiving to me. It's sin. Go gently, the Bible says. Proverbs 15.1, A gentle answer turns away wrath. You ever seen that? Somebody's mad as you as all get out at you, and you and you're gentle. You're gentle. But the next part of that says, but um, a harsh word stir up anger. Stir up anger. How I have violated that to my great harm at times when I've come with harsh words. Um, Kind, tenderhearted, gentle, gentle voice. Survey of children, main thing they'd want different from their parents is my mom not to yell at me. Gentle, gentle, don't excuse it. And then the big one, the fourth one, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other as God has forgiven you. And that is your freedom right there. When you make the decision to let go of your resentment and bitterness, you set a prisoner free, and that prisoner is you. Because you're a prisoner, a bondage to the anger. And sometimes it's been for decades, and it has ruined your life. And two or three marriages, and relationships, and health. And for your benefit, for our good, God says, forgive the person. That doesn't mean that uh, all the hurt's going to go away or that you're going to trust the person again or you're going to be best buddies. It doesn't mean any of that. It simply means you make a choice before a holy God who tells you to forgive. God, I don't want to forgive them, but I choose to obey you. Lord, I choose to forgive Bob or whoever. I make the decision. You got it. I give you my bitterness. Friends, that is your life, and it is obedience to God. Be angry, or in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger, and do not give the devil a foothold to bring havoc into your life and families. Do not do that. And church this morning, Because I love you, I I, I wish I could reach into your heart and any of you who are holding on to anger and appeal to you that for the sake of Jesus Christ and for the sake of your own soul and family, obey the Lord and do what He says. And don't listen to the lie, I can't help myself. I can't do that. If you have the living Jesus Christ in your life by the grace of God, by the power of the Spirit of God, you can obey the Lord and forgive and be gentle and deal with it with courage and go to the person. You can. I can. And by God's grace, we will decide, I'm going to do that from this point forward. Okay? All right, stand with me, please. Lord, help us because we need your help. I need your help. The pastor of these people needs your help. But we all do, Lord. Anger's a tough one, Lord, and honesty's not that easy. So, Lord God, give us grace, all of us, to obey you and to please you knowing it's for our life. Now, friend, if you're in the room and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you need forgiveness for all your sins. Just right now, breathe a prayer and say, Jesus, I'm so sorry for my rebellion against you. Come and save me. And He will. And He will. Lord, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.